0: WMQA! Hello and welcome to WMQA, the official podcast of the WMQ Comics website. I'm your host, Dan Grote. This week we're continuing our commitment to having guests named Chris, as Christopher Hastings joins us to talk about his upcoming run on Valiant's Quantum and Woody, his Kickstarter comic Dracula Gate, the Wario Twitter comic he's been working on, his podcast and sketch comedy work, and much more. Oh, and his dog, Commissioner Gordon. Uh, fair warning: there is a wee bit of an echo on this week's show. I experimented with the way we record a bit last week, and the fact is, I'm still learning. So, uh, thanks in advance for your patience, and uh, I promise next week will sound much better. Uh, meanwhile, what is going on at wmqcomics.com? Uh, we're getting ready to celebrate the best comics of 2019. Yes, it is almost time for the WMQ Advent Calendar. From December 1st to 24th, we'll run through some of our favorites. But we can't do it alone. Uh, we want your help. Uh, if you want to evangelize for your favorite comic of the year, write to us at wmqgrams at gmail.com. But let's get on with the show. Here are me and Matt and Chris. Uh, so, uh, Chris, in doing my due diligence ahead of this episode, I discovered your uh, noir Twitter comic starring Wario. Uh, <laughs> yeah. How does it feel to be the only person to ever make Super Mario Brothers 2 fit in continuity?
1: Oh gosh, is that is that true? Um, oh man, I never really thought about it. It's just like um, great, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I love Super Mario Brothers too, like the same way that I love like Majora's Mask. You know, I love the weirdo sequel that like goes to the Dreamland that we're like. Maybe the hero died, and this is the last thing he saw, like before his like brain shuts off. Super uh, Mario Jacob's ladder. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. So, so, does that mean that your favorite movie of the Halloween franchise is Halloween three, the one that has nothing to do with Michael Myers? Um, I. Uh,
1: it, it sounds like you're pitching it to me that way. I haven't. I haven't seen it. <laughs> it
2: it's weird. It has... I mean,
1: you. You like that's all you have to say about it. Like, oh, maybe I'll check that one out. <laughs>
2: Then my work here is done <laughs> uh,
0: spreading the gospel of Halloween three season of the witch <laughs> um, but uh, with, with this particular uh, comic you know what came first the, the the story idea or the realization that a noir storing Wario would be a noario <laughs> uh,
1: yeah I am sometimes I'm really slow on those obvious connections and this is one of those cases like um i guess maybe it's just puns maybe i'm just not good at puns um but it was like i in um in my old comic Doctor ninja i have um uh like evil ghost astronauts like the ghosts of dead astronauts and um i thought it would be cool to call them NASA nasagasts and then um, some. Uh, my my friend Benito Serino, also a terrific comic writer, uh, he was like, "Why didn't you call them gastronauts?" <laughs> I was like, "I'm just slow on slow on puns." Um, but yeah, I just um, I really love Wario, and uh, I just thought it would be fun to like do like a really serious like long comic about Wario that like treats him slightly more sympathetically, but still he's like. Deep down, a dirt bag. Uh, yeah, so I just thought a noir comic would be fun,
0: uh, like 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 any uh, great noir hero. Uh, do you, you know, yeah. You said this is a long comic. You know, do you have a defined end, or are you just gonna kind of keep keep doing it if you're having fun?
1: No, there's a. I wrote the entire thing out ahead of time. It's. I, I think it's like 20 installments. I think we're up to 16 at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it is. It is nearing its conclusion. Um, yeah, you know, it's like. I I would pro I could easily make it into like, you know, like a full length miniseries or a graphic novel or something like that. But given that it's Twitter, things you know feel longer than they already are. So it's like, it can feel you know epic in only you know twenty installments, which is you know your your standard comic book periodical. Mm-hmm. Awesome.
0: Um, have you ever read, uh, I, I really, I, I can't figure out where it originated, but I uh, dug it up again last night on Reddit. It's this this whole uh, treatise about Waluigi being nothing because he's a reflection of an inversion of another character, and yet somehow we are all Waluigi because of how we relate to brands.
1: Oh my god. I, uh, I mean, I, I, I do think a lot about how Waluigi is the inverse of an inverse, and how interesting that is, but um, I, I haven't seen that particular take. <laughs>
2: Isn't, didn't Grant Morrison do an issue of All Star Superman that was Bizarro's Bizarro?
0: Yes, Zavaro.
2: Yeah,
1: okay. Oh gosh, I don't remember that one, but I'll I mean I have I have that series. I'll have to go pull it off the shelf and look again. Yeah,
2: yeah, and that's the sort of that that hearing that just made me remember that issue where he's smart and handsome and charming. So he's Everything Bizarro isn't, but he's not quite Superman either. It's it's Grant Morrison, so it's a mind bender. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, oh, by the way, I, I, I should pre- apologize or post apologize, depending on how loud he's being. I have a little doggy in the background, uh, and he's making some noises. And it, when my, my that, wife comes, is that the commissioner? The commissioner Gordon, yes, yeah. that's him. <laughs> <laughs>
2: We are a pet friendly podcast. We invariably ask about pets. We will get to Commissioner
1: Gordon. Oh, killer! Well, um, anyway, when my wife gets home, he's going to go absolutely nuts. Uh, so I, and it's just going to like ruin things for a minute. So I'm just go ahead. I'm I'm calling that shot now.
0: It's all good. We can like pause on it until everything's fine.
1: Ah, pause <laughs> on it. Yeah, that's a pun. I caught that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh. Okay, now I'm slow on the uptake of my own puns.
1: <laughs> I, <laughs> there was no pun intended. Uh, but, but, you, but now I'm sensitive. I'm looking for them.
0: <laughs> ah, man. Um, but you're here because you're launching a new volume of uh, Quantum and Woody in January with Ryan Brown. Uh, yeah. What, uh, what brings you around these valiant parts?
1: <laughs> what brings me around the valiant parts? I I love that. That is kind of how the uh, Valiant fan community uh, seems to generally uh, approach me at this point. Um, it's it, uh, I am. I read. I read like the you know the acclaimed comics like mm-hmm. back in the '90s, and then kind of fell out of that Valiant fandom for a long time. And now I'm I'm discovering sort of how protective uh, and sort of. You know, wagon circled the valiant community is, um, um, and when you say these valiant parts, it is like I, you know, I've trekked across a desert to find the valiant universe, in a way. <laughs> um, but uh, I was brought in um, because um, of Heather Antos, uh, who is my editor on Quantum and Woody, and was previously my editor on Gwenpool uh, at Marvel and um basically whenever uh, heather got all settled in at at valiant she was like let's do a new quantum woody comic and i would like to get hastings please <laughs> and uh yeah so that's that's kind of all there is to it just good old-fashioned networking
0: It's awesome yeah. uh you know quantum woody's always been one of valiant's uh you know comedy books along with archer and armstrong but uh you know, there there've also been more serious or introspective stories told within those you know comics. Obviously, yeah, uh, for sure. You know, what what is what's the general vibe that that you know you're going to be going for? You think?
1: Um, it. I am. Um, I'm I'm very much into um, um, surprising you with how much you care about a stupid thing. Um, <laughs> that's that's kind of like my main uh, artistic goal these days. Is like I really try to like show uh, a very silly thing and then like kind of um you know inject it full of characterization and like show you the human side of it uh so with Quan woody is very much silliness first um and then like trying to repair their broken family dynamic second uh that is not not and i want to be very clear that doesn't that's not like priority wise that's just like literally the order in which those things will happen um but yeah i like i uh yeah gosh i i I love to you know just have like really sympathetic characters built out of just charming you first with how funny they are um yeah so that's kind of what i'm going for awesome
0: um i've read you're also going for for a lot of uh done in one stories you know uh, standalone issues which you know you don't see a lot of in this age of of you know decompress storytelling and writing for the trade obviously um why was why was doing it this way uh, important to you
1: yeah i um it was i mean i think it uh there, there are a couple of reasons why um and uh i'm glad you asked because it is something that i'm probably it's it it feels goofy to be like well my most exciting thing about this comic is literally the format <laughs> uh because uh, readers don't care about that stuff that's that's for me when i'm alone um being the nerdy writer um, but i also as a reader um a lot of my favorite comics these days are the one shots in between arcs you know um like uh i love the i love that uh that spider-man issue that um uh, that chip Zdarsky did that was like um it was like a documentary issue where it was like oh, yeah cool. that issue was so good so good right and um yeah. Yeah, and, and with Quantum and Woody, I love the one where it's just they have to save people from a burning building. Um, like, I think that is such a great Quantum <laughs> and Woody issue, and it's just, like, it's everything about them in that one issue. And so, and then also, I just remember, like, growing up, um, you know, I didn't have access to a comic shop just from where I lived, um, and so I got my comics from the grocery store and um, the sheets. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> oh, Yeah. Oh, yeah, sheets.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so, uh, like, yeah, I got random issues, and um, I would reread them over and over again, and, like, thankfully, they largely worked on their own, even though they were part of an ARC. And so, yeah, I just, um, I don't know, man. Comics are expensive, and I think that they should uh, be enjoyed within the unit that you're buying it, as well as within a larger, um, you know, uh, format, like, and uh so yeah i really want to have something where it's like you can jump in and out whenever you want but you can also enjoy what we're building over time too and i want it to be something that's like really friendly for new readers to jump into at any point like if somebody posts some out of context panel from issue seven or whatever go read issue seven you don't need to read one through five and six uh if pardon my counting Uh, (laughs) and uh and then if you really like it yeah go back and read the rest like uh so yeah i'm kind of treating it a little bit more episodically
0: Uh, how did you get hooked up with uh ryan brown on art uh it feels i mean from a reader standpoint it feels like pretty good timing because you know he's coming right off of curse words and everything
1: i think that's exactly what it was it was we said oh wait ryan's almost done with curse words let's snatch him (laughs) that's it was a very simple text exchange between Heather and I. She was like, what about Ryan Brown? And I was like, oh, my God, yes. And um, she said, honestly, like, I think she was worried that we were going to make things too crazy if it was the both of us. Um, and um, I, I kind of just said to her, I was like, well, you know, if we do, I can rewrite scripts. That's easy for me to do. Like, just let us know and we'll adjust. Uh, but yeah, I, uh, I I've been a fan of Ryan's stuff for a very long time, and I'm honestly quite jealous of him. Um, and I'm thrilled that we have joined forces; that I can uh, use him. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, you know, you've you've mentioned where, you know working with Heather, uh, you know at Marvel, now at Valiant. Uh, you know when you're when you've got an editor that you already have that rapport with. Uh, do you feel, do you feel more comfortable pitching things that might you know test the waters or the bounds of, of you know whatever the book is is supposed to be rated you know T or E or whatever, uh, however that works or you know does she know because you guys have worked together so long you know does she know all your ticks and tells so you know you're actually more cautious.
1: <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Um, I. Um... Let's see here. How uh, first off, I I mean I honestly, I feel pretty comfortable all the time um, <laughs> pitching stuff. Uh, very, um, uh, gosh, you know, I think I think in this case, I felt very comfortable pitching ideas to Heather because Heather made it very clear that she she liked what I do and um, basically said it was my my gig to lose. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, and I remember my initial. My initial pitches, like I I basically, I spent like, I spent a few days kind of um, on the couch after a minor surgery where all I had was just like my notebook and I just kind of like spent that time writing down quantum and woody ideas and then um, sent like kind of a really rough draft of them off to her and like she just... Uh, She was like, Great, I can't wait to dig into it. And then five minutes later, she's like, Never mind, I've read it, it's great. (laughs) Like, let's go. And um, after that I was like, Okay, yeah, I feel pretty confident, like, trying ideas out. And also, like, I think that Heather and I have a good enough relationship that like Heather has both approved and turned down so many of my ideas that I I don't mind if like something like literally it happened today. Um, I I said something to her. I was like, "Hey, how about this?" She's like, "Honestly, I'm not feeling." It. I was like, "Okay, I'll try something else." Yeah, so, I think it's it's a very comfortable relationship. Um, and I, I'm happy that she feels okay turning things down without having to like construct a perfect compliment sandwich of an email to do so, uh, which you have to do with certain egos. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. No, I, I I feel I feel very comfy working with heather and also like because we're both in new york like we kind of meet up on a regular basis just to talk stuff out over lunch and stuff so it's um the the stakes are not as high as they are in other pitches because it's just an ongoing conversation it's not like this this must work or else we're doomed kind of stuff Mm -hmm.
2: Before you mentioned uh, your webcomic, Dr. McNinja, which wrapped up a couple of years ago and was sort of the, your breakout thing that kind of brought you to a lot of people's attention, um, do you still have a lot of fans when you're at cons or things coming up to you asking you Dr. McNinja questions and wishing that you'd return to that character and that world?
1: For sure. Um, I mean, uh, not only was Dr. McNinja my first comic uh it is easily my most popular comic um you know which i which i'm gonna say is not does not have to do with the quality but has to do with the fact that it is free in your home whenever you want it um you can read dr ninja for free the entirety of it all 11 years of it right now if you want to um at, uh dr. ninja.com um, or you can pay you know uh, what, I don't know, 100-something bucks to read The Run of Gwenpool? Like, one of those is way easier than the others, and one has, like, way more comics. <laughs> Never mind that they're not drawn as well. Um, so, yeah, I uh, I do... I, I'm thankful that people still remember Dr. Retentia. Because <laughs> that's another thing about doing stuff on the Internet is uh there's a, you know, the attention span and the memory is, is a lot shorter. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I still... Yeah, Doctor Who Ninja still haunts me. <laughs> um, you've
0: you've been involved in in sketch comedy as a performer, as a writer, as a director. How do you feel like you know that experience and, and that kind of comedy translates to to what you do you know on the page in comics?
1: Um, it, well, part of it is just like practice and um, just kind of just like doing. Doing stuff outside of comics will only make your comics better, uh, in general. Um, You know, uh, like I I just think like having a diversity of stuff that you do, like it all kind of approves each other. It was like my comics writing helped my sketch stuff. Like whenever I was a sketch director, um, you know, we we were putting on live stage shows that were about twenty five minutes long, and um, you you know you put up a. A three-minute sketch and then you put up another three-minute sketch and so I was thinking about what I do when I lay out a comics page which is you try to lead the eye around the page um, going left to right top to bottom and uh, you know you want the eye to travel Uh, and so I I brought that to the stage where I was like okay in this first sketch we're going to have the stage picture be this guy under the spotlight in the center stage, and we're gonna have this person enter from the right, you know, the stage right door, and then this person's gonna pop up from the stage left window, and that's gonna be an interesting for the audience. Their eye is gonna be moving across the stage, you know, at these intervals, and then we're gonna black out, and then we're gonna do another sketch, and we're gonna start it. Um, you know, on the right, and we're gonna we're gonna black out the left side of the stage. and We're just gonna do a spotlight on the right, so that their eye travels to the right, and then we're gonna do the left, and then we're gonna do you know back and forth, ping pong like that. And that was from comics, and it it helped make the shows like just a little more visually interesting uh, on a on a budget because this you know this is a black box theater. We can't sure. do full on special effects, but I can light one side of the stage or not. <laughs> and uh, but as far as like sketch stuff coming into the comics, I think one of my biggest pet peeves in Sketch was sketches that ran too long. And um, so whenever I was directing uh, my Sketch team, The Nitro Girls... uh, (laughs) Great name. Thank you. I didn't come up with it. Um, Oh, gosh. You know, it's funny. Uh, That that name was come up with... uh, The person who came up with that name was an actress on that team. Her name is Amy Berger. And she is... um, uh, Karen Berger's niece. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what I said when she revealed that to me. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Do you. (laughs) I was just like, it was great. Yeah. So that's the the weird comics connection. And then she's like, oh my God, yeah, next time I talk to Aunt Karen, I'll tell her about you. I was like, don't. Yeah, and then she came in one practice, and she's like, yeah, I told I told Aunt Karen about you. And she just kind of said, like, oh, wow, it's really impressive that you can do comics and the sketch. I'm like, great. Please, I hope she doesn't read anything I've written. Oh, that'd be so embarrassing. She's so cool. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so anyway, so the the, the whole – my point is that the uh, – we really I, – I really made a uh, – like. A directive to like have sketches be very as short as possible and to really keep the pace up uh in a show to have um the transitions between sketches being as short as possible by really making sure that i was managing the team and making sure that they all had time to get changed so that they could they could like be in and out super quick you don't want to listen to a full minute of a song while the lights are out in the theater uh, in between sketches like that kind of stuff and i do think that that kind of uh, maybe adjusted my uh, my instincts with Carmen and Woody because it is very much about pacing uh, and like I said I am trying to do much shorter stories um, we're truly doing episodic stuff where it's like there's an arc but it's like okay the adventure where there are substitute teachers undercover at their old high school you know that's one issue like we're not going to turn that into a, an arc you know it's part of a larger arc of, of like what is the mystery of the school that ties into the other thing at some other location but like yeah I, I think it's that's gotten me like more honed into like pacing and keeping things tight and short unlike awesome. this answer
0: <laughs> <laughs> well no no that, that, that that's good and it's funny because so I was gonna ask you know it, it you know within the the, the, the realm of, of, of sketch you know was there you know were there a lot of other people that you work with who you know were familiar with comics or, or who were regular readers and then you know I find out you' you're, you're working with Karen Berger's niece so you know
1: <laughs> yeah um, it is a
0: small world after all
1: boy yeah I, I cannot believe that when she she said it at just one point we were just like we we're just waiting outside of the theater one day and she was like oh yeah you know like my aunt like works in comics and then like I just realized the last name and I was like it's not is it? <laughs> You're kidding me! And It turns out it was, but um, yeah, and also like uh, on that team and one of my regular um, sketch collaborators, Joe Lepore, is a big comics fan. He knows way more about the X Men than I do, um, and uh, and Joe Lepore is also um, one of the members of, of my podcast, Root Tales of Magic, and uh, so yeah, where uh, Joe is like my my one of my main comic nerd go-to's and also um uh my friend justin morgan who is a stand-up comedian he like is a major like comic guy and knows everything that's happening in comics before i do (laughs) so yeah we 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 have plenty of comic nerds on the team (laughs) awesome i also cast the team so it might have had something to do with that
0: (laughs) (laughs) so uh you wrote the, uh, the Wet Hot American Summer uh, OGN last year with uh, Noah Hayes, which uh, I loved, by the way.
1: Oh, thank uh, you. Uh,
0: you know, Wet Hot is, is one of those movies where, you know, the people who love it, love it deeply. Uh, you know, uh, as somebody who's done licensed comics, uh, you know, obviously you've done that, you've done the Adventure Time books. Uh, you know, is it, can it be, you know, intimidating to take on a project that already has that, that built-in fan base from, from outside comics?
1: Yes, um, it's, it's always intimidating to take on a licensed property with its built-in fan base. Um, uh, Wet Hot was um, not nearly as scary as like writing Deadpool or even now Quantum and Woody. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't honestly know about Wet Hot American Summer fans uh, logging on to Twitter to make a new account just to yell at me. It um, <laughs> doesn't. I, I, I feel like
0: they'd be more chill than that, but they.
1: No. Uh, I'm gonna tell you, they are. Uh, that has not been the case at all. They, uh, they, they only quietly dislike it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Um. I mean, what hot American summer was was intimidating for sure because I love the movie so much. Um, and uh, but I also thought I had a, a very good handle on it. Um, so I, I walked in pretty confidently.
2: Were you a fan of the state before? Oh, my God, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I love the yes. state,
1: love Stella, uh, <laughs> you know, love Reno 911. I love everything out of the state, like, graduating class.
2: It, 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 it does my, I think I can speak for Dennis It's our nerd hearts good to hear that as we spent many a, day one summer in high school watching taped state episodes
1: repeatedly yeah that's 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 awesome yeah um yeah my favorite of it is stella i will say uh i loved stella so much and like god um when they were on tv that is whenever i ran into michael showalter on the subway like all the time and was just like a dumb little nerd about it like he honestly he's not great with the spontaneous fan interactions (laughs) and you know what you don't have to be like that is i want to be very clear like that's not a personal failing that's just like you know what a stranger like a strange little kid telling you that he loves you on the subway in union square is not something that you should be prepared to deal with um and i imagine other people are are way worse um that said the inverse <laughs> i ran into at that time while stella was on the air i i crossed a street um where and going the opposite direction was michael Ian black and um i just saw him from across the street and i was like i love your show <laughs> and then like he didn't he didn't react Until we were right next to each other uh, crossing the street, and he just whispered at me, thank you. (laughs) It was so cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I've never run into David Wayne, so we'll see. Theoretically, he had to approve that script for the comic that I wrote about his movie, but (laughs) I don't know. I think I only dealt with the producer of the movie.
0: Um, I do, one of the things I I loved about it was how it it worked in, or, you know, kind of foreshadowed their their trip into town and the end of the uh, the original movie. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Uh, thank you I just really, like, I thought it'd be really fun to, like, justify why they beat up that old lady (laughs) (laughs) She had it coming! Turns out, she was like a real monster, that random person they beat up, Uh, yeah and then, like, that was part of an earlier pitch, and it was um, – I forget his name, but it was, it was the producer of the movie was, like, the main, like, a, approval person, point person that we had. And um, I had to pitch, like, three different stories to them. And um, really thinking, that, honestly, I was going to do – I wanted to do, a, um, like, a camp slasher parody. Like, that's what I was going to do. Uh, walking in, I thought that was my best shot at doing something interesting with the property was like having like a you know who's killing the campers kind of thing mm-hmm. and um, and they just did not and it was very much more in the tone of the TV show particularly the second season um, mm-hmm. with kind of uh, it, that gets like way more insane than the movie did uh, and they, they there was some legal reason why but they were like don't reference the TV show at all it must only reference the movie Um and uh anyway but part of that was like we like the stuff where it like it sort of sets up backstory uh, or ties into the the movie so it was like do more of that i was like okay like let's talk about how you know keith became the the you know the dungeon master and got his cape you know and like let's talk about like why the chef is randomly weird to beth at the mess hall and it's because you know they had a fling like the day before (laughs) and you know she dumped him uh, so, yeah, it was, like, stuff like that.
0: You know, on the other side of the of a coin, you know, we talked about Gwenpool already, you know, she became kind of a, a, a cult favorite at Marvel, uh, you know, as a result of, of you know, your series with uh, with Guru Hero. Uh, when you when you birth a thing into the world like that and, <laughs> and eventually, you know, have, because this is how Work for Hire Comics works, obviously, you know, you have to say goodbye and, and let her go on to, to other writers and other artists. You know, uh how do you sort of absorb that? You know, are you like a parent watching their child go off to college and kind of like choking on tears a little bit, or, (laughs) you you know, is it more like uh, a bird shoving their young out of the nest after a week, you know, because you have to see if they can fly.
1: Yeah, no, the, uh, the, the, the kid uh, watching your kid go off to college is, is exactly the, the feeling. Uh, I've said this before, but it's like, you know, I, I I spent a couple of years with her, and um, now I I read issues of comic books that she in and she's in, and it's like you know, it's like skyping in with your kid in college, and you know, oh how you doing? Oh, you you joined the West Coast Avengers? Well, that's that's really nice. And um, who I've got a new who RA, is that? Leah Williams, yeah. Who is that boy with the pink hair? Um, <laughs> like, like that? That's kind of how it is, you know. Um, yeah, but. Um, I don't know. It's it's uh, I, it's kind of a weird honor to, to be in this position that, like, so many of my favorite authors have already been in, where it's like they create something and then they have to watch the rest of the world have license to it. But, um, you know, I, I like where it's going so far. Gosh, I mean... Marvel owns her for longer than I'll be alive. So we're in the first <laughs> chapter of this tale of how Chris feels about how they're treating her, but so far so good.
2: Awesome. <laughs> now, despite you saying that, you know, you've, you know, there are people in your sketch troupe who know the Marvel universe better than you, you seem to have a pretty deep bench of knowledge there if you're criminally underrated long shot saves the Marvel Universe is any indication
1: <laughs> I imagine you're specifically talking about the issue where I bring in like every weird what if character and stuff yeah
2: To that, I mean, generally speaking, outside of, you know, X-Fandom, Longshot himself is not exactly a marquee character, although he does have those couple of really enjoyable episodes of X-Men the Animated Series he was in, but more than that, you also...
1: Isn't he, like, a real jerk in those,
2: though? I think in the one that is really a spotlight on him, he is. The one where he's mojo screams at him and compares him to nose hair, less so. Um... (laughs) But you also bring in the in-betweener, who is one of my favorite of the Marvel abstract concept characters, especially from a design standpoint. I mean, he's just got a really cool look. Totally. Uh, um, But are there any of those other deep-cut characters within the Marvel universe or the DC universe or any old particular universe that you'd really love to work with, one of those odd characters that just speaks to you?
1: Oh, gosh, that's a... Ooh, that's good. Well, I mean, for a long time, it was Batrock the Leaper. Uh, I was desperately trying to get Batrock in since my very first Marvel assignment in 2011. Um, but I was able to get him in Gwenpool, so that, that got you know handled. Um, another one would be uh, I, uh, the, the role that the in-betweener plays in Longshot as a sort of cosmic arbiter um, that like decides that Longshot is too lucky for universal balance. Um, the, uh, up until the very last second, that was going to be the Living Tribunal. Um, and then we found out that in another comic, he was going to die. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, Marvel, yeah, you know, that's, that's why you have the editorial squad back there. They're always, like, making sure that, like, you know, you, you got to have that continuity between the different things that are coming out at the same time. Um, except that they tried to keep that one secret, which is why it went up to like, the last second. And then they're like, ah, you can't use the Living Tribunal. Um, but I would still love to do something with the Living Tribunal, because I think he's even cooler than the Inbetweener. Um, partially because I just love that that mask design.
2: Starlin resurrected him not too long ago in one of his Thanos graphic novels. So there is a Living Tribunal floating around out there.
1: Oh, yeah, he's back. He's Yeah, he's back.
2: You can't keep a good cosmic Turn. representation of divine justice yeah. down
1: I think the I think the other weirdo um, obscure guy that I would like to do something with and it hasn't quite worked out yet is um Turner D century
2: yes oh, wow yes
1: yeah that's a fun one um, time traveler who rides a flooding bicycle and like wear's like a barbershop quartet hat um, yeah that guy's great Um... And, yeah, we were going to do uh, a couple times. He was, like, close and then didn't. And then, uh, yeah.
2: Um, uh, on a moving off of, out of the Marvel Universe, um, uh, I backed uh, the a Kickstarter that you wrote, uh, Dracula Gate, with the U.S. having to perform shuttle diplomacy between... Canada and the monster state of Transylvania to try to prevent a war between the two Um, as a lover of political parody and monsters that really spoke to me Um, where did the idea for that come from
1: Um, first off thank you I am I am so deep in Dracula gate every day um, because yeah we we wrote the script a year ago but boy it 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 takes a lot longer to actually draw and letter and color the thing even with two people and just like we're kind of just like don't just keep your head down just keep your head down and keep just doing it one panel at a time and don't look at how much longer you have to go um, i've gosh yeah you know I've, I've written a lot of books and i've even written and drawn several but like all the ones that i've drawn were done as web comics so it didn't feel like it took so long in between the books because i was publishing as i was drawing them but now it's just like oh my god this this takes so much work um so anyway that's that's sort of what's going on with uh dracula gate but how i came up with the idea was um i think i literally was just watching an episode of veep and i just was like god it would be really funny if dracula was in this
2: uh, you you have a history with uh big drac as he was in Dr. McNinja too, correct?
1: Yeah, I have written Dracula in several incarnations. He's uh I have written Dracula in Dr. McNinja. I've written the Marvel Universe Dracula and now we have the Dracula Gate Dracula. Um I love Dracula. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, it was just like, oh yeah, I I just really like the idea of of like having sort of monster mash universe abiding by kind of that political satire of veep and i was also at the time when i came up with the idea that's when i was writing vote loki and i was like i was really getting into like writing political satire um because i was forced to (laughs) Uh, but also like i was finding that i was enjoying it it was like it was very cathartic um given the state of the world (laughs) so yeah but like And then with Dracula Gate and then also with Vote Loki, it's like um, it's interesting to do um, a political comedy that doesn't like take a whack at either particular political party uh, and more about sort of general humanity and how we operate politically. Um, And so it's more like like human beings operate at a certain level um, with their political dealings that uh will get them in big trouble with powerful monsters uh it's it's yeah so that's some rambling on dracula gate
0: <laughs> matt you and the uh the dracula based uh, kickstarters
1: yeah oh yeah. you uh you got that kyle stark's number uh-huh very nice yes. yep
2: i i have a problem with kickstarters <laughs>
1: <laughs> me too um i don't know i don't mind
2: yeah, another There's. I get, my, my wife always says, you know, yes, you have your addiction with, you know, your comics and things, but you could smoke or you could drink. This is a much more minor vice. Like That's so funny. My
1: mom, my mom said the exact same thing about my my dad being in a barbershop quartet. <laughs> wow. But also my dad brews beer and makes wine, so I think, you yeah, know, no. <laughs> I think she was just happy he wasn't uh, out in bars.
0: There you go. Those are those are all cool things. When you mention the barbershop quartet, I'm like, wait a minute, is your dad turner d century? Is that where this all <laughs> <song> comes <laughs> from?
1: <laughs> That's definitely like where the interest came from. Is like ha- is growing up with barbershop music around me all the time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I still think
0: you know he's he's that vill- He's one of those villains that people joke about, but. I'm pretty sure nobody's actually bothered to resurrect him after the Scourge of the Underworld from like the 80s. Um, he, let's
1: see, he got killed off in like 2011 or 12, I think. Like, in like some, like, yeah, like he said, it was like some random, just some guy was like wiped out a bunch of Marvel mob bosses or something like that. And he's barely mentioned, but then he's also like shown up not really acknowledge that he came back from the dead after that
2: uh, you know it's time travel so in theory that could have been him oh. from an oh I'm, I'm getting all doctor who and timing no, oh that's good yeah he could appear at any point because it could have been an earlier point in his own timeline totally my head hurts
1: now yep <laughs> you're absolutely correct
2: like that one episode of the flash where the reverse flash was a time
0: rep yes <laughs> great um uh, we we did mention this a little bit but a, apart from from your comics writing and and, and you know sketch work and everything you do have a couple podcasts going out right now yeah. uh, root tales of magic a uh, fantasy comedy audio play and uh hulk smashed uh where, where you and your co-host talk about superhero movies um i did i listened to uh the most recent Root tales Uh, You know, last night as I was getting this episode ready, I was like, I I sent the link to Matt immediately because I I knew it was going to be right in his wheelhouse.
2: (laughs) Yes.
1: Um, Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. uh, Yeah. I
2: I have a very long commute and listen to podcasts to keep me sane, and this one will now enter the uh, weekly rotation.
1: (laughs) Well, I hope you enjoy it.
0: That's... I mean, I was sitting. I was sitting on the couch. I had headphones on, but you know, it was one of those things. Like my wife is watching TV. I've got like headphones on, and I'm just like cracking up because you know, Poopus. <laughs>
1: <The> Poopus. Yes. <laughs> I don't voice Poopus. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just, just happy to do my impression of Branson. Uh, yeah, Root Tales is a ton of fun. Um, just like we've all, like all of us, have played Dungeons and Dragons for so long and except with the exception of Branson our the guy who runs the show and he uh he kind of got into it recently fell in love with it and then got connected up with Taylor our producer and uh it's just like we decided to take our game into the studio <laughs>
0: um, it, it, def- it definitely feels like something that you know you're bringing a lot of that that sketch background too.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh it's a lot of, well not sketch necessarily, but it's our improv backgrounds cuz we all have okay. done improv comedy too. And um it's uh we've god we most of us have been on improv teams with each other. Um and so we're using a lot of those skills to like um know where to like like know how to stay true to our characters, know how to like kind of goose the best stuff out of our characters um how to like say no with our voice but like visually tell the other person like no keep doing this this is good like that combination of being the actor and the writer at the same time
2: um
0: what is what is what is in your own uh you know personal podcast queue
1: what am i listening to let's see here let me let me pull it up um i am so into dolly parton's america right now Mm. are you listening to that
0: uh, I'm not no. So Dolly
1: Part- Dolly Parton's America is um, is produced by Jad Abumrad. He's one of the Radiolab guys, and uh, basically um, Jad's father is um, a doctor who it's in, in uh, Tennessee who at some point treated Dolly Parton, and then from there got to be friends with her. And then uh, Jad, the podcast producer, is like, "You gotta introduce me to her." And then, like, kind of just sort of started up his own relationship with her, and then through interviewing her, went down this rabbit hole of discovery of how fascinating her life is, and how much she has influenced um, American culture, and uh, kind of just goes back and forth. And it's, like, it's it's so well produced, it could have been done as, like, a theatrical release, but it's a free podcast, and it sounds amazing, so
0: is it like a limited thing or, or is it I believe
1: really? so I am almost positive there is a set number of episodes for this oh. um, yeah so that's a good one so, um, yeah. no, no, other stuff is perfectly fine but less interesting I think you know I listen to all of the other usuals but like that one really caught my ear recently all
0: right, cool um, so we've heard this little guy uh, in the background but uh, mm-hmm. I definitely wanted to ask about your dog Commissioner Gordon. Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, what 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 breed is he?
1: Gordon is a Pomeranian.
0: Does he have a mustache?
1: <laughs> no, but he does have alopecia. Oh, that's yeah. the opposite. He's of a got mustache. the opposite. Yeah, he thankfully he has a very cute furry face and crest and like front legs, but he has got a totally bald ass, um, and. Uh, yeah that's that's the story with gordon's hair
0: (laughs) and then uh which member of your family is most likely to talk to the dog and then disappear when the dog's back is turned leaving him mildly perplexed even though he should be used to it by this point
1: oh that has to be my 13 year old batman he's always in and out disappearing Oh,
0: God. I was, I was thinking I, about that. Real, clear, real clear.
1: Just because, yeah, I because I do have a dog that we named Commissioner Gordon, I do not actually have a son named Batman. I'm be, I just, I was just going with the bit. With the bit. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody called Child Protective Services on me for having a child named Batman. <laughs> there are no children in this house.
0: I appreciate you setting the record straight on that.
1: Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> uh, CPS not coming over here. <laughs>
0: Oh, man. I, I, I was thinking about, though, like, the first, like, I don't know, Matt, you would know better than I would, but, like, I don't know, how how long, how many seasons was Batman the Animated Series and Gordon was still falling for that?
2: Gordon still falls for that in the comics 85 years later. I mean, they're, although they've made something of a joke of it at points, like when Dick Grayson was filling in and Gordon knew that it wasn't. Bruce he was Gordon would turn around and go, "Okay, I know you're not him. It's time for you to do that thing he does." Like it, Gordon at this point almost expects it, which is kind of delightful.
0: Okay. So it's just a fun little game. Yeah, I think
1: yeah. I think depending on like who's writing it or the moment, either he's genuinely surprised or it's gotten to the point where like like you said, Matt, he's he's doing it almost as a favor to Batman or he's honoring his end of the bargain in the relationship. I I need to just... One
2: of my... There's a great moment towards the end of the massive No Man's Land story from
1: 1999. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, Where... Which, by the way, one of of the... Real quick, one of the best things I read on writing is Denny O'Neill's DC Comics Guide to Writing. And he has a whole chapter on how he planned out that mega-series. And it's so interesting to, like, read how to plan out, um, like, a serialized comic that, like, goes across multiple titles. So, just, that's a recommendation right there.
2: Yeah, I need to track that down, because I I love Denny O'Neill, and I love that story. But there's a moment at the end where, throughout that, the first two-thirds of that massive arc... Batman and Gordon are at odds, because Gordon feels like Batman abandoned Gotham when Bruce wasn't there for the first couple of months that Gotham was shut down, and in the end, Bruce, like, to, you know, try to earn back Gordon's trust, unmasks, and Gordon turns around and says, you know, don't show me, I don't want to know, and it's like, you know, but we're, we're cool now. And kind of gives him the you know the cue to do the disappearing act, and he does, and Gordon's left alone. And it always killed me because I always, I, I, every time I read that issue at the very, I want that last panel to be him just saying Bruce, because I, I've oh, I have they have made it kind of clear in since Scott Snyder's run that Gordon does definitely know, but I always felt like Gordon knew for years. And was just sort of like... It, again, it's what you said about... The, it's the contract between the two of them. Yeah, that yeah, That I don't acknowledge that it's so bloody obvious that you're Bruce Wayne.
1: It's just no one can
2: prove it.
1: <laughs> but, oh. Um, that reminds me... Did you read the This, the Seth- this was about a dog. <laughs> <laughs> did you read the Seth Fisher Batman stuff? Yes. That was like... it. it um, where, like, it often had moments where you saw Batman in the background kind of stumbling through his disappearing act. Yes! I yes. love that so much. Oh, yeah, wow. Yeah, that, that was, that
2: was, oh, I remember. It was it was Legends of the Dark Knight, so it was early in Batman's career. Oh, I'm trying to remember I don't
1: remember a lot of the details of plot. I feel like part of it was that he was creating his like his network, like his support network that was part of the idea.
2: Yes, 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 it was um it was a Mr. it was a Mr. Freeze story. And it was set really cuz I mean Legends of the Dark Knight was all you know, it was mostly set early in Batman's career the best stuff was. And yeah, you it was it, it had that very shadow Building his, you know, contacts arc.
1: Oh wow! I haven't thought about that story in ages. It's a great story. Yeah, it's, it's my favorite, and I, I think like, God, like we, uh, what a loss we have not just in oh. comics but in culture in general. You know that uh, Seth Fisher is no longer around.
2: Yeah, I, I just mentioned him in a column I wrote last week because he wrote, he drew, the first short that uh joe hill ever wrote for comics oh
1: really i didn't know that
2: yeah it's a, a a spider-man unlimited when it the when it was the anthology series and joe hill wrote a little you know 12 pager and seth fisher did the art for it and yeah i mean that and uh the green lantern stuff he did. yeah the, the will, will world so
1: cool yeah. yeah yeah um
2: so uh so chris what are you uh
0: what are you reading these days uh, comics or otherwise
1: comics let's see um you know what um my uh, my friend tim platt um who uh, is one of the other members of rude tales of magic has um has been lending me uh, his copies of black hammer um i have shamefully not read black hammer before now but i am like just uh tearing it up um enjoying them so much uh so like that's that's the main comic that i'm reading right now um Besides uh, the comics, let's see. I'm also reading um, Ed Levine's um, autobiography. He's the founder of Serious Eats, which is like my go-to website for um, all all recipes (laughs) that I make. And uh, that's like it's just like an interesting story about this guy who like just has this passion for food and how he kind of created this now um, iconic website by like just trying to find funding and like certain deals falling through and it's just like, it's so stressful. (laughs) Uh, but it's, uh, it's really well written and there's like a cool recipe in between each chapter from one of his site contributors. Um, so those are the two things I'm reading right now. Nice.
0: Because it's coming out next week or I guess this week when uh, the episode airs, uh, and you know, you're, you're doing a, a podcast right now where you're kind of currently going through all sorts of superhero movies. But, oh yeah, Hulk smash! You know. me, yeah. Are, are you biting? Uh, are you biting the bullet on Disney Plus?
1: Oh yeah, no. The, all they had to do was tell me Boba Fett show. <laughs> like, and like, I know the Mandalorian isn't Boba Fett, but come on, he looks—you know—he's wearing the helmet. He's a bounty hunter. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all they had to do for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now exactly. It was like, well, all right, we're getting all those those new Marvel shows. Yeah, it's the it's You, you the, know, I think that the sweetener for me was that that show where Jeff Goldblum is impressed by everyday things. Yes,
1: yes, yes, that's going to be a lot of fun too. That's like yeah, that's exactly a great sweetener. Kind of like nobody's coming for the Jeff Goldblum show, but it's a really great added value.
0: You do, are you doing the Disney Plus or no?
2: Yeah, yeah, between the Mandalorian, the new season of Clone Wars, the, the Star Wars. You sound
0: so resigned to it, though. Hmm? You sound so resigned to it.
2: I, I am resigned to it in that I swore I was not going to get suckered into more streaming services. And now, between, you know, it's like, okay, I, I mean, I've got, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime and DC Universe. And with Picard starting, they're going to get me for uh, CBS All Access. And Disney Plus, I can't. You can't win. You can't win. There's too much good media. Damn it!
1: Yeah, I, I'm excited about uh, Picard, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to make me sign up for CBS.
2: I'm. My plan is to wait until it's all out and then get the free trial month.
1: Ah, okay. Okay. <laughs>
2: Maybe it'll take, maybe I'll have to pay for like one month in there, depending on if I can time it just right to get both that and the third season of Star Trek Discovery at the same time.
1: (laughs) So CBS, if you're listening. (laughs) There's also like plenty of shows that I will just buy the show through iTunes, you know, Mm. single shows. I've done for plenty. I'll probably do it for that.
0: Well, um, Chris, as we are uh, as we're wrapping up here, how can people follow you online and everything you're doing if you, in fact, wish to be followed?
1: <laughs> uh, the the main one is Twitter. Um, I'm at Doctor Hastings on Twitter. That's um, that's that's where it all is, and all other links come out of there. So that's the easy one.
0: All right, awesome. Uh, and then, of course, you know, don't forget about. Uh, Right. We got Quantum Woody coming in January. We got uh, Root Tales of Magic and the Hulk Smashed podcasts uh, out there that you can listen to, and um,
1: and eventually I'll finish Dracula again, uh, and, and that'll and, be and the uh, the Wario comic. All right, Chris, thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank this was so really fun. Thank you.
0: That's it for this week's show. As always, you can listen to wmq on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and at wmqcomics.com, where new episodes move Tuesday mornings. You can support wmq and and wmqcomics.com at patreon.com slash wmqcomics, where just a dollar donation gets you early access to episodes, the ability to promote your work on our site, and a customized bonus reading column written by our own Matt Lazowitz, built around the character, creator, or theme of your choice. And if we hit $10 in monthly donations, we'll start a new project, either a second podcast about the DC animated features, a deep dive retrospective on James Robinson and Tony Harris's Starman, or a manga for beginners feature. A uh, big thanks to our existing patrons, Steve Morris from Shelf Dust, Charlie Davis from The Young Ones Podcast, Robert Secundus from Doc's Talks at Xavierfiles.com, and Scott Madrinsky from Mojoswork.com. You can follow WMQ Comics on Twitter and Facebook. And you can follow me on Twitter at Daniel P. Grote and Matt Lazowitz at MattLaz1013. Not a fan of social media? Sign up for our weekly Q newsletter, which gives you the best of WMQ every week in your inbox. Finally, and most importantly, check out WMQComics.com for all your comics news, previews, reviews, interviews, and plain old views. And we'll see you next time. WMQA!